Can everybody hear me? Well, thank you so much to you all for that, those, um, those papers, and thank you uh, for having me here. As I said, this is my first foray into distilling my dissertation down into a 20-minute um, paper, which was a huge challenge for me. So um, I'll begin. Uh, during the late 1950s, broad disillusionment opened the door to sweeping revolutionary change in Cuba. Fidel Castro's Revolutionary Front, which began in the Sierra Maestra Mountains during the early 1950s, culminated in January 1959 with the ousting of President Fulgencio Batista. This, that same month, images of Castro and members of his rebel army celebrating in the streets of Havana were splashed across the most widely read Cuban daily newspaper, Diario de la Marina. Juxtaposed to these images of los barbudos, or the bearded ones, as the rebels would come to be known, is an advertisement for an elaborate silver tea set described as a, quote, sumptuous European silver tea set, end quote. The juxtaposition of an image of a supposedly Marxist liberator freeing the people from the yoke of capitalism next to an extravagant tea set, a blatant symbol of bourgeois conspicuous consumption, gives the newspaper page a surreal quality. Yet contemporary readers would not have been privy to the radical shift in politics that lay ahead for it was not until May 1961 that Castro formally announced the socialist nature of the Cuban Revolution. And balancing out the remainder of the page is a small advertisement for modernist wrought iron furniture with the tagline, Bassart defines both the practical and the beautiful. The round back chairs, glass tabletop, and open shelving, all representative of popular mid-century modern design elements, counterbalance the overly ornate traditional tea service on the right. In this single page, the frenetic energy and anxiety of revolution is met with both the stability and permanence of domestic wares, offering a vivid snapshot of cultural prescriptions for everyday life amidst a tumultuous period in Cuban history. This paper explores the relationship between politics and popular print media during the period when Cuba transitioned from a quasi-capitalist satellite of the United States to a socialist nation isolated from the US economically and culturally. This paper also belongs to a larger study in which I examined domestic advice and advertising found in Cuban popular magazines during the 1950s and 60s. By framing domestic advice and advertisements for the home found in Cub Cuban popular magazines as arbiters of ideology, I illuminate two divergent prescriptions for everyday life, one predicated on the U.S. paradigm of capitalism and the other on a socialist model. For the purposes of this conference, I focus on images found in Cuban popular print media during the transitional period, during which the Castro regime had not yet implemented an official doctrine of propaganda, nor had it established formal relations with the Soviet Union. Therefore, this paper reinforces the idea that design was integral to the dissemination of ideology at mid-century by demonstrating the critical role that popular print media played in shaping Cuban society during a shifting ideological context. Fidel Castro's reign of Cuba began in January 1959 with a promise. He said, quote, we want to raise the standard of living of the people so that the peasant can live with all the comforts and benefits to which a man working in such a rich country as this one has a right, end quote. This sense of entitlement for a high standard of living had become ingrained in Cuban society through popular media over the last two decades. And a similar promise 
for a better life had dominated Cuban advertising in the 1950s. And domestic advice also capitalized on this catchphrase, which became synonymous with an era of higher consumption across the globe. During this period, modernist aesthetics and modern appliances, such as washing machines, dishwashers, and television sets, were presented in popular media as purveyors of a more comfortable, easier, and modern lifestyle. Cubans' personal and national identity hinged on material acquisition and served as their access to modernity. However, political and economic misfortunes during the 1950s gradually led to widespread disillusionment over the best path to this lifestyle. Thus, when Castro and his fellow revolutionaries took over the island nation in 1959, the existential question of what constituted a better life and how to achieve it was at the heart of the revolution. Since World War II, Cuban consumers represented an important new market for US goods that not only guaranteed corporate profits, but also served a greater purpose in strengthening the US's position as ideological leader in the Cold War. And Cubans were active participants in this process, using consumption as a vehicle for their own modernization. To this effect, advertisements highlighted the relationship between modern technological amenities and progress. Images selling household appliances were promoted as signifiers of progress not only for the individual, but also for the Cuban nation. For instance, this 1952 General Electric ad in the popular women's magazine Vanidades, or Vanities, aims to equate its prog products with progress, exclaiming, quote, for a better life. The ad visually links the consumption of modern amenities with the modernization of Cuba itself. Juxtaposed with the modern electricity plant located in Cienfuegos, Cuba, are a woman and her general electric oven. In this way, the image aligns the notion of modernization through industrialization with the availability of modern household amenities. The advertisement's inclusion of a sophisticated female figure depicted in an up-to-date stylish coiffure and waist-cinched dress also underscores the relationship between modernity and the private domestic sphere with the achievement of modernity on a national level. And rather than highlight the technological details of the product, the advertisement promotes the implication of better living simply through the acquisition of modern amenities. And here the efficiency of modern industry, industry fits seamlessly with an image of modern domesticity. Yet during the 1950s, Cuba was a land of contradictions, evident in the coexistence of its sophisticated print and television media and growing middle class, alongside government corruption and poverty, which was especially prevalent in rural areas. In particular, Havana's high standard of living contrasted with the situation in much of the countryside, such that in 1953, while 60% of the rural population did not have electricity or running water, the nation's could still boast the highest per capita consumption of Cadillac, automobiles, and televisions in Latin America. Images of American consumer products and domestic advice in Cuban popular media served as a powerful means of perpetuating the belief that Cubans were on par with other progressive modern nations in elevating the standard of living for all of their citizens. The 1959 revolution sparked a sense of euphoria over the possibility that a greater number of people may be able to afford this better life. In fact, advertisements from Cuban companies as well as North American firms immediately appeared in all of the leading periodicals and magazines exclaiming felicidades or congratulations 
and Cuba Libre, or Free Cuba, the latter of which had been a familiar cry of freedom during the independence movement of the 19th century. And here we see two more examples of congratulatory images found in popular magazines, one from a local bank and the other from the Coca-Cola Bottling Company. The latter states, the Coca-Cola Bottling Com Company of South America rejoices with the Cuban people for the resurgence of democratic liberties in our country. The statement alludes to Castro's promise to reinstate Cuba's 1940 constitution, considered one of the most progressive of its time and which was nullified by Batista's coup in 1952. Yet the immediate jubilance over the possibility of revolutionary change was soon challenged by fears about the future path of the nation. United Press International reporter Charles Schumann began his January 1959 interview with Fidel Castro by describing the state of affairs in Havana. The situation in Havana at the moment is this. The city is paralyzed by a general strike. All stores are closed. People are unable to buy food. The job of police in the city has been taken over by Fidel Castro's militia. These are young men who have been underground in Havana ever since the revolution was on and who came out yes who emerged yesterday after Batista had abdicated." End quote. And soon bank accounts were frozen and private businesses and property confiscated. A wave of fear spread throughout Cuba and panic ensued over the avail availability of daily necessities. In response, the Castro regime quickly set about propagating powerful images of accessibility and abundance. One particularly <coughs> notable example is a 1959 drawing from the regime's official newspaper, Revolution, that shows a massive figure of Fidel Castro behind mountains overflowing with houses and tractors. The mountains are most likely the Sierra Maestra Range in southeastern Cuba, a region that had long served as a refuge for guerrilla encampments from those of the 19th century Cuban independence movement to Castro's own front when he and members of his 26th of July movement set up camp there upon his return from exile in Mexico in 1956. The mountains thus served as a symbol of rebellion to the Cuban people. Even the accompanying phrase, the battle against poverty, underscores the traditional revolutionary spirit of the mountains as a battleground. Through its symbolism, the newspaper image addressed a fundamental shift occurring in Cuba, one centered on the prospect of an equitable redistribution of wealth and Castro's promise to ameliorate the nation's economic hardships through revolutionary change. Despite Cuba's relatively large and growing middle class, Castro believed that a more egalitarian distribution of wealth could be achieved through the elimination of private property ownership and by increasing wages and guaranteeing employment. In this way, the inclusion of tractors and houses in the image is especially significant as they signify the Castro regime's two key reforms, the agrarian reform law and urban reform law, which were passed in 1959 and 1960, re respectively. In particular, the urban reform law attempted to end land speculation while also lowering rents as a means to increase purchasing power among the Cuban people. Within this context, the cartoonish image of masses of tractors and houses overflowing from the countryside aimed to reinforce the promise of plenty to the Cuban people. And even private corporations like Cruceas, a Cuban firm that had lo a long-standing venture with the US company Colgate Palmolive to manufacture and market their products in Cuba, capitalized on the revolutionary spirit in their advertising. An ad in a 1960 issue of the Cuban popular magazine Bohemia shows a warehouse full of the cleaning agent, agents Fab and Ajax with the caption, quote, a revolution of prices on, on Cruceas products. 
Rather than focusing on a single product, the image propagates the idea of an infinite supply through the appearance of multiplicity, thereby alleviating Cubans' anxiety about their future. The accompanying text, quote, a revolution of prices on Crusades products, enacts a wordplay on revolution, suggesting that revolutions are positive and yield beneficial results. In addition, the text also states, quote, Crusades cooperates with the revolutionary government and lowers the price of cleaning products in order to help reduce the cost of living, end quote. Although the advertisement expresses the desire to work with the government to achieve its goals, Crusades was nationalized later that same year, and the Crusades family left Cuba permanently. Yet the notion of abundance propagated by the media would quickly be tempered by the reality of material shortages that would soon plague the Cuban people. After the Cuban government nationalized U.S. properties in Cuba in 1960, the U.S. implemented an economic embargo, which was later strengthened in February 1962. And by March of the same year, the Libreta, or rationing booklet, which provided allowances of food and household products based on age and gender, was established. Quickly, the notion of a better life, based on greater material acquisition, transformed into a new model of a better life based upon ideals of hard work, dedication to the revolutionary cause, and sacrifice. Domestic advice found in women's magazines during the early 1960s accorded with this shift, serving as a powerful means of propagating the revolutionary ideology and socialist agenda. The Cuban regime used popular print media to endorse women as catalysts of ideological change through their design and care of the home environment. In the fall of 1960, the most popular and widely circulated women's magazine, Venidades, was nationalized and a new government agency, the Federation of Cuban Women, took over as the magazine's editors. By the fall of 1961, the new editors had renamed the magazine Mujeres, or Women, to reflect a core shift in values for the new Cuban woman. The first issue of the new magazine states, quote, the pages of Mujeres will be a banner of the militant vanguard in the heroic fight of the people. It will firmly face the economic blockade and will stand erect to defend to the death its invincible revolution. Accordingly, the magazine was transformed from delivering frivolous topics to literally carrying the banner for the revolutionary cause. Domestic advice found in Mujeres challenged previous conceptions of idealized spaces in popular media. The author of the series, Mi Hogar, or My Home, states in the premiere article in November 1961, our homes have a world of new ideas at our disposal, and the most important thing that we can present in this section is that they are presented as a reality. The objective outlined in this article and stated as the mission of the series was to create an accessible, realistic design for the home. The author goes on to say, Every woman dreams of a marvelous home, but she, practical to the end, decides to convert her dreams into reality with furniture and objects that are within reach, that she can find easily at local stores that are the, and that are within her budget. She represents the new Cuban woman, one who would not be a pawn of U.S. advertising or an unattainable dream world, as creating a dream world had been in large part the essence of advertising in Cuban popular media during the 1950s. For instance, this 1952 advertisement for the Cuban furniture firm Orbe y Cerato reads, My Dream Made Real. 
and the ad features the disembodied head of a woman peering down onto a living room suite of modern upholstered furnishings with simple lines surrounding a television set. The dream offered in the advertisement is the combination of both the technology of a television and the selection of modern wares. Yet as the Mujeres article attests, recasting the, the domestic material world as accessible and modest was central to the regime's reconceptualization of Cuban society. The furnishings in the 1961 Mujeres article are described as, quote, in the provincial style, which marvelously embodies the idea of a simple, unost unostentatious home, end quote. The wooden chair, shown in three-quarter profile, speaks to contemporary trends of simplicity and truth to materials that are typical of modernist aesthetic, ex excuse me, aesthetics at mid-century. However, the Orbe Iserato image underscores the more eclectic interior with traditional elements that is found in the Mujeres image. Since the practical limitations of the 1960s made it impossible for Cubans to furnish their homes in a completely new style, Cubans came to understand that they would have to live with a variety of objects in a variety of styles in their home. And thus the meanings associated with these objects would have to shift to reflect the new ideology. In keeping with this shift, popular titles in magazines included renovate your furniture, refurbish your furniture, take advantage of objects in disuse, and other articles featured discussions about how to make your own items, such as a dressing table or lampshade. The ideal of do-it-yourself do practice became a hallmark of home design during the revolutionary era. In fact, another article in a 1962 issue of Mujeres leads with exactly that directive stating, do it yourself. One page shown here is dominated by a large photograph of a kneeling woman wearing overalls and smiling at the camera while surrounded by paint, glue, and other household items. She is portrayed as eagerly engaged in repurposing household furniture. This contrasts sharply with an earlier advertisement for Ace Detergent found in the 1951 issue of Venidades. The ad shows a rendering of a woman wearing an expression of misery while using a washboard as sweat drips off of her. Another rendering within that same advertisement features a woman sitting in a modern reclining chair with her hands behind her head, a sign of repose. The tagline of the ad reads, Ace washes, I rest. This image embodies the popular notion that capitalism was the means to achieve a better way of life, a life full of comfort and leisure. However, the contrast between these advertisements reveals how the new political environment of the revolutionary period disrupted conventional ideals of a better life, even as the government manipulated its own definitions of what that better life would entail. The immediate years after the 1959 revolution were a time of intense transformation when Cuba became the center of the Cold War, and the ephemerality of popular print media worked well within this dynamic and often ambiguous environment. That is, the transitory nature of print media granted the Cuban government an enhanced degree of flexibility with their message. Therefore, popular print media was critical in shaping the new ideology. As the aspirational modernity of the 1950s slowly evolved into a pragmatic modernism in the 1960s, the nation's preference for a decorative Western-driven aesthetic eventually had to yield to the practical considerations and constraints of life in the new Cuba. 
consumers had to separate themselves from the ideals of modernize and replace, and instead embrace a philosophy of reuse and reinvent. Because consumers had far fewer choices, both they and their government had to reframe the ideals presented in popular media. That's it. Mm -hmm.